brand new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comics and politics. Uh, this is the show for folks who know that you really don't get shit changed and done in this world without a little activism, and that's what we're talking about tonight. Um, this is really a politics-focused end of things uh, as we discuss a little bit of activism we did in the comic and geek world this past week. Uh, joining me is my co-host, Alana, and fellow activist. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, I'm, I'm really, um, was, this past week has been intense. Um, I uh, never quite expected to be characterized as history's greatest monster over something of this nature, but I look forward to using this as an opportunity to educate folks in the comics community about how activism works and how we can create change and make an industry that's more and, me, and, the, and culture at large is more welcoming to, to, to you know, diverse audiences and, and that that isn't something which just happens through passive wishing and hoping. Yeah, so um, I'm thinking we're going to quickly just describe what the situation was, but we're not going to dwell on that and really talk about the good and the bad on that. Uh, more specifically, we want to focus on the activism end of things, of how we kind of mm-hmm. came about some decisions and what was good, what was bad, how people perceived things. Um, and just our backgrounds to begin with as well. But uh, before we get to that, so for those who don't know, last week a comic came out from Image Comics uh, from writer James Robinson and artist Greg Hinkle, um, though I would say Greg wasn't quite as, you know, responsible as he was the artist of everything. But um, the story at hand, uh, Airboy, for those who don't know, has um, comic versions of, of Robinson and Hinkle in the story, and it involves them trying to uh, bring back a Golden Age character named Airboy, who really exists. He was a Golden Age character. Um, and instead, they're kind of uh, on a drug-induced um, journey where they see Airboy. Uh, and the second half of the comic, they wind up in a bar filled with transgender women. Um, they wind up receiving fellatio in a bathroom. Uh, words are said. People are a little pissed um, about it. And some pretty nasty stuff was said. Uh, a lot of Folks, us especially, felt that this uh, portrayed transgender individuals in a horrible light, uh, including um, what folks would use as the defense known as trans panic, that they were somehow tricked into these acts. Um, there was also some uh, use of the word tranny and uh, poor use of um, gender pronouns. Did I, did I think I yeah. get everything right at that? Okay. Um, yeah, but we don't want to like the, Yeah. But, sorry, keep and, and, and generally, like treating transgendered people like objects as opposed to, to humans. Um, yeah. You know, it, it was it was pretty. If folks are interested, we've we've written about the problems specifically and extensively on graphic policy, and um, our frequent co-conspirator Emma Hubois has an excellent piece on the Rainbow Hub. So you can go there, get your background over there about what the problems were. But now, take our word for it, shit was fucked up. So we had to do something. <laughs> Yeah, and I'd like to point to people, um, you know, a lot of folks were talking about activism in general, and this was another, uh, to quote some folks, this was another case of people being butthurt over something they don't like. Uh, if you actually go to our site, mm-hmm. we kind of pick our fights very uh, uh, sparingly, and uh, mm-hmm. this was one that I think merited a the right fight at the right time with uh, hopefully the right people, um, and got mm-hmm. some change. So it's not like we are, you know, saying crap every single week about something we dislike or anything like that. So, um, you know, I think that's very important to say because other folks have put us in the uh, 
popular SJW term right now, which is the popular, uh, uh, I think that has replaced liberal as the popular um, insult online. Um, which is so weird because it's such a great compliment. I, I um, my, my own I'm, personal Tumblr is social justice wizard because, I mean, I'm clearly more of a wizard than, than a warrior in spite of all my, <laughs> my gym training. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, for the purposes of our episode, people, like, just take us at this fact. Like, there were problems in this, and we had to do something. And this is not something we do lightly. It is not something that we do for just anything that might be problematic. This was particularly dire, and the people who it was it, who it was addressing were particularly vulnerable because of the content that was in the comic. So, Yeah, I, I think it's literally, like, the third time we've actually done an action off the site, so... Uh, and yeah. the site's been around for like eight years, so uh, an action yeah. every eight yeah. years is uh, not all what we're doing. Uh, so I, I think that the thing that folks always forget is your and my background, um, thinking that we're just you know comic fans and coming from everything from a comic fan uh, angle. But you know we both have been in politics for a while, so I figure a great place to start would be like how you got into politics and the type of things that uh, you've worked on or worked with and just experienced through your years. Sure. So I have always been very political. Um, I was raised outside of D.C., so that was the environment I went to. It was one where it was assumed that you would go to abortion rights protests. Um, you know, that was what we do. Uh, I was very involved in LGBTQ organizing, which was actually, because it was the 90s, called GLBT organizing when I was in high school, um, starting our first gay straight alliance, and we successfully got uh, sex education policies changed in Montgomery County, um, at least for the duration of the time that I was there, uh, to be inclusive of uh, non-heterosexual use and uh, our safer sex needs. Um, and that was pretty crazy, crazily important because this was the 90s, you know, where we got this done. Um, so that was a pretty significant achievement to have so early in my political activist career. Um, I, uh, as, you know, as an adult uh, and professionally, uh, you know, I, I've worked for a lot of different labor unions doing online communication, uh, helping workers organize to have power on the job um, and have health benefits and stand with each other's back, you know, because your employers never do anything without demands, much like anything else that anyone else has power. Um, so I've done a lot of work in the labor movement. Um, and I am currently working for a community-based organization of Latino. Um, our members are largely immigrants, um, and a lot of our members are transgender. Um, and we work on issues in New York, in New York City, and Long Island, and around the state, dealing with affordable housing, immigrant rights, um, supporting transgender people, and over you know, dealing with over policing and police abuse. Uh, access to healthcare services, access to translation even. So we're a multi-issue organization that really deals with any systemic challenge that, you know, low-income people of color are going to be facing. Like, if people have, have issues, they bring them up and we help and organize and fight. And it's a membership organization, so it's not just, like, me or, like, other random people saying, oh, this is what we should do. It's led by what the members of the community want and need, and that's really important. I've also done a lot of political campaigns um, over the years and uh, like for local local politics in New York. I certainly drew a lot of on that when we were talking about Daredevil a few uh, months back. 
um, been involved in a lot of fights over zoning laws because those are the things that impact people's ability to live in New York City and whether or not they're forced out of their own homes. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's the quick version. Um, a lot of my organizing work as an adult has been dealing with online organizing, using tools like online petitions and Facebook to mobilize people to create change, um, whether it could be uh, bringing people together so that they realize that they're a group that has power and can wield it together, or harnessing folks' energy towards, like, targeting corporations or elected officials to get them to change their stance or their policies. Um, lots of that, that's a lot of what I've been doing. But I've also had experience doing field organizing, like, i.e., knocking on doors and shaking people's hands and talking to them face-to-face. And, um, you know, I, I view these things as being connected to each other. They, they really are. Um, if you're doing one, then you kind of need to be doing the other in this day and age. And I do think that the reason why you're hearing and seeing more on, uh, more activism around problems in popular culture that we, you know, that we see now, a lot of that is enabled by the existence of social media as a tool for us to be heard. So that's my brief thesis here. Do you have any specific questions? Do you think I kind of covered it well? I think you covered it. I understood everything. But, you know, I'm also in the business, so of course I'm going to do this stuff for a living. Yeah, I mean, I guess for people who don't know, like, being a professional organizer is a job that people have, and it is the building block of any campaign, whether it's political campaign, union campaign, um, a campaign to fight, you know, an issue like, you know, to stop the stadium from getting built or to start, you know, getting affordable housing in the community. Like, organizers do the groundwork for all of that to happen. Um, and I happen to be someone who does that organizing work these days largely online because that's where people are. They're online. Yeah. A lot, lot less uh, exercise gotten that way, though, but it's all good. Uh, God, it's true. <laughs> There's some days I really miss actually walking around and getting exercise and being outside. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell you what I don't, you know, the, the one thing I, I always remember doing door knocking and my old neighborhood, which was like the inspiration for Burnside, basically. I used to live in Burnside, essentially. Uh, no one's ever home. So you I, I, you just get so freaking tired of door knocking when no one's ever freaking home. So we're online. Anyway. Yeah, I hear you on that one. Uh, yeah, so I guess my background. Uh, so my first foray, other than running for school office, was, uh, I think I was at 16 or so, and went to a protest against the Christian Coalition uh, who were in town um, doing what they do best, which is whip up people into a horrible frenzy. Uh, and from there, um, I was pretty sure that's what I wanted to do in life. Like, there's, once I was in high school, this is all I wanted to do. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I interned for County Ledge when I was in high school, um, one of the great stories out of it where I was like, I absolutely want to do this, was uh, two elected officials started a fist fight in the back room. Um, over oh, New York. <laughs> yeah, this was Erie County. Um, so they uh, they got pissed about one person, like, scheduled a, a meeting when the other one, he knew the other one couldn't be there um, to purposely embarrass him. So they just started going at it. Um, and I still have the journal to this day, and it says, this is absolutely ludicrous. It's like wrestling for adults. I need to do this for a living. Um, and I was hooked. 
Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I refer see what to else. democratic political clubs as being gangs for uh, being being gangs for the for like employed people. Yeah, I can see that. So my always thing about and the retiree like, and, ret- and and retiree, everyone politically still on retirees. Yeah. <laughs> so my thing is with the with the wrestling is everyone has their personality and they're all in a lot of for show and you have this over the top character to like get noticed and unless you like play this over you know over the top character you wind up in like the B league. Um, oh. And that's kind of what it's all kind of turned into nowadays. It's more so now than um, it was in the past, but definitely now. Um, and a lot of it's very staged and fake. Uh, it's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from there, let's see here. What are the big significant things? We'll go with the political end for the actual campaign ends. Uh, I've worked for worked for a county legislature for a little while, and um, worked on Capitol Hill for a little while. Um, campaign wise, I've worked on everything from small, uh, like. Uh, school board races to up to presidential levels, like multiple presidential campaigns. So uh, I've pretty much seen it all on the campaign level other than a foreign race. It's something I still need to do. And then uh, nonprofits, I've uh, you know, done a lot of work with that, mostly digital consulting, and um, now work for a tech company that provides tools for democratic campaigns and progressive nonprofits. Um, big fights that I've been proud of was uh, working on the fight against FISA when I was on the Dodd presidential campaign. Um, we actually moved the uh, dial on that. Uh, at that point, everyone Absolutely. was pro. Yeah. Uh, so for those who don't know the story of FISA, which is what everyone's discussing now, when everyone's like, hey, we didn't know this, this was horrible back then. That's bullshit because we discussed how horrible it was back then. Um, uh-huh. And and showed that everything that was being said as far as tapping phones and the internet was a lie. Um, so we literally had to whip the votes as a presidential campaign to make it happen. Uh, the progressive community got together to help do this. Um, and I remember actually being in the room whipping the votes, and we were live on camera and willing to stay in that room live until uh, we either won or lost, which was really kind of fun and completely psychotic to do. <laughs> Uh, so you can kind of see us like lose our mind uh, slowly and surely, but we whipped the votes, and I remember uh, I remember it specifically when Ted Kennedy called uh, Harry Reid into the back room, and you could kind of see at that point like Reid's shoulders slump, and that you're, I was like, this is the point that Kennedy is going to say pull the freaking bill, and it came out and they pulled the bill, and we paused and we're just like, wait, did we just win? Um, uh-huh. so, very, very proud moment. Um, unfortunately, after Dodd dropped out, um, everyone backtracked on their beliefs and, of course, passed it because um, we didn't have a uh, infrastructure to fight it. So, yay for... And that is the value of organizing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then another one that I'm really, really proud of is working on the whole SOPA and PIPA fight, which uh, I actually brought over to the comic realm at that uh, point. Uh-huh. Um, SOPA and PIPA was... Um, pretty egregious and horrible legislation that put a lot of power in the government's hands as well as uh, corporations to censor what was on the internet. Um, There was companies that were for it, Disney being one. So, you know, I tried to get comic creators to fight against it. I was working with an organization called the Entertainment Consumers Association at the time, and we joined the EFF, um, Mozilla, uh, Firefox, 
Craigslist, uh, tons of different organizations to actually literally turn off the internet for a day, um, just driving people crazy, and it was kind of amazing. And uh, the legislation. I mean, you weren't just turning it off. You were having people's websites direct you information yeah. that, about the bills and why they were bad. My, where yeah. I worked at the time, we participated in that as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty amazing uh, event. I, like, I can't think of anything that's been close to that as far as mass demonstration, like online or worldwide. Um, just the amount of people that were involved. We're talking millions of signups. I think hundreds of thousands of calls within a day. Uh, millions mm-hmm. of emails sent. It was pretty amazing. Um, and I remember constantly getting emails from folks throughout the day saying, hey, I've signed your petition. Can I get to, to Wikipedia now? Uh, which was really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know that was another one that we fought and we won. And I mean, it, there is evidence where activism absolutely works. Um, those are two perfect examples. Um, uh-huh. To this day, Sopa and Pickle has not been passed, even though they've reared their ugly heads every once in a while with different names, but uh, they've never actually gotten anywhere near the same uh, possibilities before. So uh, it's been a long, like, 20 years of this, which I can't believe that's been that long. And actually, working-wise, it's been pretty much... See, I started hired when I was, like, 22, so it's been 14 years straight at this point mm. with much out of break from one thing to another. Um, yeah, and yeah. There's been low moments, a i.e., getting Rod Blagojevich elected. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's been fun along the way, and we do good. That's the thing I like about the job is you get to do good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's constantly shifting. Um, so yeah. Oh, so that's our background. I mean, when you know, we've had this has been such a big year for victories in New York. Um, you know, we were very instrumental in basically any progressive policy stuff that's happening in the city. My organization has been involved in it. Um, and uh, it's was and, and, you know, we finally have a mayor who supports our values, you know, most of the time in most things, not all the time in all things. And yeah, like we get to live out the reality of the change that we've organized for, for, for like decades, really. Um, Cause it doesn't happen overnight. And then, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it it, you know. Does. So, I mean, the reason why we felt we really needed to do this episode was in part because it seemed like there were a lot of people who didn't understand that there's a connection between the creator of Airboy issuing an apology and the fact that you and I and Emma from Rainbow Hub raised hell. Um, there is a direct relationship between these things because that's the only way progress or change ever happens. It doesn't happen by just being polite and nice. In every in each of these campaigns, the ones that you were discussing, and the ones I haven't really gone into detail with, but would gladly do so, like they're a fight, and you have to engage in that fight, and you have to go and bring other people in to educate them, and get other people to join in in action, and you have to go to the press, and you have to go and reach out to allies, including less obvious allies, and you need to all work together, and then you get a result from that. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that a lot of folks don't realize with, like, something that we did and, and what others have done um, in other instances, there's a lot of work that goes on, especially in the background, to, like, even get mm-hmm. things going. Um, you know, it's not a coincidence that, you know, as our action started going up, other people started tweeting about it almost immediately. Um, you know, people had very similar statements on various sites, like, you know, we've talk to a hell of a lot of people to make this happen. Um, 
So, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it. It's not just, you know, people suddenly raging against the machine and it's a tidal wave. Like, this is long thought out, planned, uh, and discussed. I mean, we, Mm -hmm. at that point, by the time the action launched, we had been going for about 37 hours um, since we started. If not, it would actually be longer because it took us like an hour, two hours towards the initial post. Um, and I would just say, that, like, you know, we yeah, that's true. Like we did these initial posts because we needed to get we needed to get the word out right away. But, and of yeah. course, we wrote these pieces, and you know, Emma wrote her piece, and nobody else was paying attention because writing an article is not is not enough. Um, we really heard crickets, and we were called to action around this and to make stronger and more powerful demands because when we just wrote our own pieces, that wasn't enough to provoke a response. Um, so that's a good indication of like the role that activism plays is that, you know, you can just write your, your essay. But without organizing, without actual organizing, nothing happens. Um, the backbone of, like, any campaign, like for someone to run for office or, you know, for or union organizing drive or anything like that is list building, which is, you know, getting contact information from people who are going to support you and tracking it. And whether that's for offline or online, that's essential. And the building block for so much of what we do is your email list. You know, we there are you know you build your email list of who are the people who are sympathetic to your issue who you can reach out to confidentially one on one and talk to them like write a convincing email message to the to you know whether it's bloggers who agree with you or friends who are activists on the issue and have a social media profile you know footprint that them tweeting about something would actually get noticed things like that like you you build your list of the people who you're reaching out to and you work from there and you ask them who do they know that could come and support you as well and you grow it from there yeah oh yeah um i would actually say that our you know while we were pretty quick in getting our action up it was probably rushed in the time frame to get it done and done it do it really properly um you know it usually takes Mm -hmm. because we also weren't doing it full time um no we (laughs) We work for a living real real jobs lots of work this was our we, we were we were doing this is our, our jobs recreation, and ironically, this is also our job. So yeah, we, we just do our jobs more unpaid and unpaid as our hobby. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I mean, like, it, it takes a hell of a lot of work in there, and I think a lot of people kind of miss that aspect of it. Um. That there is a lot of discussion and thoughts, and this isn't like a knee jerk reaction. Uh, that suddenly goes up online and, and, you know, we're screaming bloody murder. Um, You know, what type of action we wanted to do, what we wanted to say, what we wanted to ask for. There was a lot of discussion. It wasn't just us deciding Mm -hmm. there were other players in on that. Um, It just so happened that we lucked out that Image Expo was going on. And for those who question why we would have done it during Image Expo, why wouldn't you do it during Image Expo? Um, if you want yeah, to yeah. raise profile, you need, you know, sometimes you have to latch onto other events to do so. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that concept alone so seems we to have knew, gone over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, we knew that Image Comics was going to be receiving a ton of attention in social media during their own conference. So it seems like there would be a lot more people searching for, comp- for things regarding Image Comics on Twitter and on Facebook during this particular time. So since there was already going to be attention there, it made it the opportune moment for us to bring our message to the conversation that was already existing around Image Comics. Um, so, for example, you know, another parallel I would do is like, you know, my a friend of mine's environmental group during Shark Week on Discovery Channel. That's their big time that she goes out to educate people that actually sharks are essential to the environment and are not our enemies. 
um, like, you know, you, you take advantage of what the existing commu- uh, communication is and you bring what you have to contribute to, to the existing conversa- conversation. So, yes, it was absolutely important for us to have this going on while Image Comics was at the center of the, you know, the media's eye. Yeah, and the other thing was, you know, at that point we'd been talking for 36 hours. I mean, it was a good 24 hours by, by the time I said this, we need to do some sort of an action. Um, I think mm-hmm. I might have been the one that said we should hijack the, the hashtag. Hijack the um, hashtag, yeah. You're yeah. like, is that a good idea? And I said, of course it's a good idea. <laughs> uh, you know, jacking other people's hashtags is like the most important thing that I do these days. Um, yeah. So, because it's, it's common. common. You insert yourself into a conversation. I mean, you know, I would say, like, it's interesting because we didn't successfully take over Images Twitter yeah. feed. But we raised enough of notice that we became impossible to ignore. Um, so, yes. Yeah, well, um, I mean, there was other examples also, of yeah. this, too, this past week. I'm sorry, uh, like uh, the the uh, guy, what's her name, that wrote um, Fifty Shades. Um, people, and she had her, her oh, Twitter yeah. chat, and people hijacked the yeah, Twitter yeah. chat to bring mm-hmm. up, like, to your book. To talk about all the problems with her work. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no different than what we did and that did. Uh, that did yet, except yeah. when that happened was praised and covered, and people kind of laughed about it. When we did it, we got called assholes. Um, yeah, that's the only difference. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another thing that I think is important is that, like, whenever you're doing a campaign, you have to decide like what is what is the ask is the term that you would use. Um, and some and sometimes that 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 is what is the demand that you have. Sometimes it could be not necessarily demand, it could be the ask. The ask could be, what are you asking the people who are participating to do? Our ask for people was, we want you to tweet at Image Comics one of the following messages. Um, because, you, you know, if you just tell people you should support us, they say, okay, how? So you have to give people the answer of how they can support you. Um, and our demand was something that we just, we didn't feel, like, you know, Brett and I are not transgender. You know, I'm bisexual, but that's completely different than being a transgender person. And I mean, unless you're bisexual and transgender, but you get the idea. As a cisgendered (laughs) bisexual person, I'm not the person to decide what is the right recourse for this comic, you know, like being incredibly transphobic and dangerous. Um, We've been working with Emma Hubwa, like, throughout this whole process because she's an amazing comics blogger who we have a great relationship with who is a transgender woman and a smart activist with a mind for these things. So... I, you know, we were talking with her, and I was like, she was totally down with us doing this, and I don't think I would have felt comfortable leading a charge on this if there weren't people who were a part of the impacted um, audience, you know, that were involved, because um, I don't want to, spe- I don't want to speak for others, you know. Um, but I asked, you know, what, what should our demand be? What should our demand be of Image Comics? And she, you know, and she said our demand should be for them to pull the book. And we were like, you know, yeah, like what you want is what we're going to do because it's not on me to say what the right response is. It's, I'm, not the, I'm not the injured party. Um, so um, we were like, yep, that's what you want. That's what we're going to freaking ask. Uh, and I think that that's important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, there was discussion about it. Like, is, is this a too high of an ask? Is this appropriate ask? Um, and I think other things need to, to keep in mind, uh, folks got to keep in mind is the ask is your is your starting point. Um, you mm-hmm. know, to, to think that image or the creators would actually you know acquiesce and cave and say, all right, we're pulling the books. I I personally had no no thought that they would actually do it. If they did that, I would have said, Holy shit, I can't believe image. they did it. Especially because it's image, yeah. Yeah, Especially yeah, image yeah. Comic. yeah. Um, you know, if they did that, I seriously would have stopped and say, holy crap, I can't believe they did that. 
um, to me, it was always also a negotiating thing. Like I would have uh-huh. loved for them to say, we're going to be work to be more inclusive. We're going to donate the profits to uh, some charities and we're going to, you know, do something to raise awareness and we're sorry. Um, and figure out maybe how we can fix this in future printings if we want to. But, uh-huh. you know, if nothing else, maybe we have good essays in the, the trade explaining this stuff. Um, I, yeah. If they came back and said that to me, I would have been like, shit, that's awesome. That's great. Um, yeah. You know, that that's a great thing. It's, a nego- it's, it's your negotiating. Like, I don't think if anyone went into a negotiation and said, I want this and this is exactly what I want, you're an idiot. I'm going to outright say it. For yeah. every site that said that we asked for too much or, you know, disagreed with it, like, I don't think you guys understand the art of negotiations. When I go in for jobs or uh, talking business with someone, I don't go in and say, um, you know, I want whatever, $30,000 or X, Y, and Z. Like, I'm saying, no, I want $50,000 in X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. and hopefully we get to 30 where I want it to be. Um, that's a yeah, yeah, we're not thing. we're not the Democratic Party. We 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 don't begin by offering the middle position. Like you begin <laughs> by offering as strong left as you can possibly conceive of, and to put that out there for folks to yeah. react against, because you're setting what is the norm and what is the expectation from there. It's the starting point, and if you begin your starting point at the center, then you're going to end up with corporate supported health care, like the <laughs> like the current health insurance system, for example. Um, you know, that's not how you do negotiations. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's another piece of it. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes no yeah. sense if you go in. I mean, when, when any campaign goes in and says, you know, we want, we want this, um, this particular thing, it's either already the most extreme ask you can go to or they're going a bit further so they can actually get what they would be happy with. Um, I mean, that's common in everything. Uh, plus, on top of it, like I think people in general weren't quite understanding what pulling something actually is. Um, yes, well, you and I actually too. had an interesting conversation on that, where I, I look at pulling is an expression of free speech, um, and I had to really explain that one <laughs> to you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, to me, uh, pulling something is exactly that. It is taking an action to show your like or dislike something. Pulling, obviously, you dislike it. Um, An action in this sense, or in a lot of senses, is in itself speech. It's not necessarily words are being used, but you are conveying your belief through your action. You are speaking out through that action. Um, You know, people understand chaining yourselves to, um, you know, a tree to protest them getting cut down. Uh, The latest was the the Confederate flag being taken down. That's speech through action. You are taking action to try Mm -hmm. to make change. Um, For a company to pull it is itself speech. So anyone actually condemning uh, our request or if Image actually went and did that, you're, you're actually having issues with someone you know, doing their version of speech and and showing what they believe through action. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my response to that was simply like, well, they can still have the book individually. It's yeah. not like the book that, disappears that from the world. And it's just a question of saying that people shouldn't be making money off of this. That's what the polling is about, is that there are people who are making money off of something that is incredibly offensive and, 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 and hateful and dangerous. Um, so to me, that was just, that was the response was it's not like I think that um, it's not that I think that like 
if you pull something, it ceases to exist from this mortal plane. Um, so that that was my response to anybody who who raised that question to me. But yeah, I think your your point about it being speech is is a very interesting one, especially considering the legacy of you know historic actions that folks have done uh, that are that are that are symbolic speech. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I actually think it, it's fascinating too that people immediately thought pulling something also means censoring it or deleting it. Like that's what they went to. Um, well, because there's this thing called derailing. Which I'm going yeah. to explain. <laughs> Let's go with that. So, Let's go right into that. So derailing is when um, this is a good example. Um, we want to talk about her a little bit later. Uh, there's an awesome cosplayer called Kyrax Chu, who's also somehow now known as the Batgirl of San Diego because she dressed as Batgirl and she brought some hell to Dan Didio at Comic Con when the new feature was announced, and it looked like there weren't any women writing any of these books. So she goes and she asks him a question like, hi, where are the women? And his response was, well, what about Mira? And it's like, and, you know, she's right there with Aquaman. And everybody in the audience decides to take the tact of saying to her, oh, don't you know about this female hero? And don't you know about that female hero? And that's not what she's asking. They're trying to find some other thing to talk about other than the question that she raised. The question she raised is where are the female creators? And the question everybody answered was trying to prove that she doesn't know enough about who Starfire and the Huntress are. Um, if somebody raises, like, a, a, a real legitimate problem about work and somebody else says, uh, but let's talk about censorship instead, you know, because they'd rather not actually engage with the problem that you're raising, that's a classic example of derailing. That's what happened with her. That's what happened with us. Um, you know, we were ignored, and then we, made our, then we made our demands, and everybody wanted to talk about our demands. And they didn't want to talk about trans transgender uh you know issues in comics, and um that is because it's more comfortable for them to one represent themselves as being an oppressed population of people uh and two they'd rather talk have a conversation around censorship, which is a conversation that they've already had with people that have a new conversation that is an uncomfortable conversation about an issue that's new to them, so yes. That's derailing. Yep. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of that going on. There was a lot of that going on. Um, I think the the seemed the most popular one was either conflating banning, censorship, and pulling, or just the, oh, this is bad, but I don't agree with the action, and then focusing on the action instead. Yeah, uh, that the, happens with so many people, including, yeah. like, tons of gay dudes and I will just say, they were gay dudes. They were no gay women. It was gay dudes who would rather talk about whether or not independent fans who are not the government are doing censorship as opposed to talking about the problem that comics are transphobic. And the fact that a comic that was written by someone who'd won GLAAD awards and who'd done positive stuff about gay men in his comics before had done something which that was transphobic. Yeah. So this is the world we're operating in. Yeah, and it also... Briefly, just might let folks... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I think we should also just folks know like where things sit right now, in case folks haven't are listening to this later or just aren't familiar. Um, we, we, I reached out to GLAAD, which is the biggest um, LGBTQ media watchdog organization. Like you guys might know about the Anti-Defamation League, which is a group that like keeps an eye out for anti-Semitism in the media and 
oftentimes they're hyper paranoid and crazy about it, but that's another topic. Um, but this is like that before LGBTQ people, and they're not paranoid. <laughs> they're very, very <laughs> accurate. Um, and um, and um, I, I, you know, I knew folks from you know feminist online type email listservs that I'm on, and I reached out to them and said, "Hey, who should I talk to you at Vlad? Because there's a there's a problem in this comic, and it's a it's a high enough profile comic that this actually matters." Um, and, uh, so I, I, you know, they got back to me and later that day, you know, and this was the day before holiday weekend, later that day, Glad, um, had issued a statement about criticizing the comic. Um, you know, it, it takes them a while to actually go and read it, to look into it. You know, they have transgendered people and other people on the media team who have to sort of put together analysis of whether something is you know, a problem or not. So it doesn't happen immediately. But boy, does it happen quickly because they understand how the media cycle works, and the media cycle is a very quick thing. And we emphasized to them, you know, the need to have this happen while Image Expo was going on. So later that day, um, in fact, quite late in the evening, God bless them, they put out a statement um, saying that fans are concerned about this transphobic comic. Um, and then I don't remember how many hours later it was, but some hours later, Robert James Robinson, who was the, the writer of the comic, who had been completely invisible online, possibly for legitimate reasons, I don't get the feeling that he's on Twitter a lot, um, came out of nowhere and said, my, don't take my silence as ignoring it, I am working on a statement in response. Mm-hmm. Um, I have complete confidence that none of this would have happened if we hadn't done our campaign. It just, uh, it, it yeah. just doesn't happen that way. And, you know, we've been hearing from people who feel like we were rude for, you know, doing it the way we did, saying, like, oh, see, Robinson apologized. He would have just, he's a good guy, and, again, I'm not questioning that. He's a good guy, so you didn't need to go after him. He did an apology. Like, they don't understand the connection and causality between us doing what we did and him having an apology. Because I'm sure that there's people with various opinions making accusations and charges about things about your work all the time, and writers aren't going to sit there and take every single one of them seriously. You know, what if I could have just been one random crackpot with an opinion? But the, and it would have been reasonable for him to ignore me. You know, if, like if one random crackpot fan says, it's offensive that your character has a pointy nose, you can ignore that person. That person's a random crackpot. But if everybody is coming together, if a lot of people are coming together and telling you this is a problem, and then if you have like a national organization that's a media watchdog coming and telling you this is a problem, then you're going to realize, oh, this isn't just a rando, you know, person, this is a real thing, I'm going to pay attention and listen to what they have to say. And that is why the organizing part of this is incredibly important. I don't have a personal relationship with this writer. I couldn't, like, give him a personal call and say, hey, I'm a, I'm a normal, sane person, and you should listen to me on this. You know, he has no reason to listen to me or believe me based on just who I am. He doesn't, he doesn't know who I am. I need to have a lot of people behind me all saying the same thing, and then I need to have even better work for me to have an organization with a legitimate track record behind me saying the same thing. And then he's like, oh, shoot, I fucked up. And then he did something about yep. it. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it. Uh, if you don't speak up, they're not going to either, one, realize they made a mistake. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, they created the comic, so clearly it wasn't clicking to them. Uh, or, you know, yeah, they probably the have made it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm like, duh. And then the other is, you know, if you're going to be silent, they're not going to have a clue, and they're not going to think about what was going on. And, I mean, uh-huh. uh, it was interesting that some of the other feedback we got was uh, that Robinson has a, actually a good 
uh, record when it comes to LGBT issues in the past um, with his run in Starman and, and Earth 2, to which I corrected him and said, well, that, that's the L and the G part. That doesn't automatically mean you're great on the B and the T. Um, no. There are issues even within the LGBT community within those groups. Um, ask anyone. Uh, yeah. I ask anyone that's bisexual about bi erasure and and uh, how they are looked at sometimes by gay individuals or straight individuals or whatever uh, or whomever. We did talk about that on an earlier episode. You can always yes. go back and listen to me get really angry about that on our on our podcast episode. I'm not sure what number where we talk about <laughs> Iceman and that whole thing. So yes, go yes. back and listen to our archives. Um, yeah, but yeah, I exactly. It up for like it's completely. Yeah, exactly. There's tons of. Re- there's you know you can definitely have have done positive. You he could you he could have even done something that was positive for trans people in one and then messed that up another time. You know, yeah. it's not like oh, yeah. this is a one and done thing. Um, but yeah, this none of this stuff happens on its own. Um, there's a quote that we keep coming back to, like a lot, which is you know this quote from Frederick Douglass, which I'm going to butcher if I don't open this up. Do you have it open right now? Power can achieve nothing without demand. It never has. It never will. That's like 90% sure that's exactly how the quote goes. Um, Now, I'm not saying that us doing media activism is the same as what Frederick Douglass did. But the principle that he laid out there about how the world works is entirely true. Whether you are dealing with media activism or dealing with, like, you know, human rights abuses or war, the principle remains you have to stand up and fight against more powerful forces or else nothing will change. Things don't yep. change out of the generosity of the hearts of the powerful. Um, and that's not how it goes. There's actually a wonderful piece by Arthur Chu, who, God, isn't he the awesomest public intellectual these days? Um, and as a friend of a friend of our show, actually, um, wrote a piece about how making nice was not how we won marriage equality. It was being obnoxious and screaming and organizing and being confrontational and organizing. Um, and uh, Don Salon, I tweeted it a little while ago. Emma actually is the person who found it because she's awesome. So you can go back and look on Twitter and find that. Um, but that's such a good example to me of like this is how things get done. Yes. I'm about to tweet up the article. Um, that's why I'm oh, a little silent. You. <laughs> you're too good. You're too good. Um, so, so that's important. Um, you know, we're looking at the. We there's a there's a there's a popular chant that we folk, that folks been using at rallies the past couple of years. At least I've been hearing it, which is, when we fight, we win. And I think that's another great way of putting it. Um, I thought maybe we could just quickly like. Well, we have a few questions online, but before we get to, before we get to those, like, do we thought maybe we want to talk a little bit quickly about like. What are some of the other examples of this kind of thing happening in comics? I, I mentioned Kyrex, uh, Kyrex to uh, the Batgirl of San Diego. And, you know, I forgot to mention, in the end of the day, Dan Didio issued a statement saying they were working to get more female creators into D.C., and they did successfully do that. And now, I mean, years later now, D.C. is looking like they're actually starting to do a much better job. They are still not where they need to be, but it is a noted improvement when you look at the diversity of their line offerings and their creative staff compared to where it was back then. Um, so that's a good example that I wanted to highlight uh, of this happening in comics. Um, I would say the, the most famous in comics would be the campaign to get um, Schuster and Siegel's names back on Superman. Mm-hmm. To me, that that That's would be like the, the 
greatest examples of uh, of it. Um, for the longest time, in um, the two creators of Superman, Jerry um, Siegel and Joe Schuster, uh, didn't have their names as like a created by these guys for DC, um, and it took creators to stand up uh, and say, "No, this isn't right. These guys should be recognized for their work and uh, should be compensated and and um, you know the rec- you know at least recognized for it. You know, these are, it's huge." Um, and what do you see nowadays? You see, you know, created by Joe Schuster, Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it uh, it happens all the time uh, in comics. So uh, you know, th- this isn't a uh, this isn't an isolated incident. Um, this re- really the, does yeah. happen a lot. And I guess the point that I led to earlier, but didn't quite elaborate on, is that because we have access to communicating directly with the publishers more now than ever before, mm-hmm. and because we have the ability to speak directly with the um, with the creators and talent through social media now, our ability to have impact in the art that we consume is really unprecedented at this moment. Um, I think that the, the rate of change you'll be seeing in comics in terms of moving to... Uh, a more inclusively written comics and in terms of a more diverse creative staff is going to be moving exponentially faster now because of the power of online organizing. Um, You know, we've seen Where Are the Women um, and other campaigns like this, you know, happening on social media. And it's not going to stop. This is really the start and beginning. Um, And I think it's really going to change how comics works because we'd always sort of been treated like this passive audience that was just there. And mm-hmm. it's true that because of the way comic conventions have, you know, been around, there was communication, but not on the scale that is possible now. And the amount of organizing, I mean, like Emma's in Canada. Before social media, there was no way in hell I would have known her, right? Um, so, you know, I'm in New York, Brett's in D.C. Like, we are able to connect with each other in, in ways we've never been able to before. And that is really changing the speed and type of activism and organizing that you're going to be able to, that you're going to be able to do in um, in the comics world and everywhere else. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I actually, I mean, you're kind of touching on. It's one of those things. It's funny. I've been really debating for a while now um, for the panel at San Diego Comic Con on Sunday, which is about the future of fan culture. Is what to so say. The panel that you're on, by the way, which you should yes. repeat people when and where. Yes, for those who actually want to see the jackass that was partially behind this, um, you can come see me <laughs> from 3:30 to 4:30 in San Diego Comic Con at the panel, of the future of fan culture. I couldn't tell you where it's going to be. I need to look that up myself. Uh, but if you go onto the schedule, you can find it, and of course, we'll be tweeting it up like crazy. Um, but that's one of the things I was thinking about. Is to me, what is the future of fan culture? it might not be specifically activism. Like, it might not be tons of these, like, flashpoints and and debates and discussions and people yelling back and forth. What it's going to be is the smart creators, the smart publishers, and the smart fans using technology to connect to each other and building community. And whoever does that and does that best and does that right, that's going to be the future of entertainment. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I agree. But there will still be people doing fucked up shit that we'll have to oh, respond yeah, yeah. to and we will organize. So that's absolutely. the thing. Yes. 
Um, absolutely. But I think the other thing is those people are going to become less and less relevant because those are also the people mm. who aren't good at that community. Um, they, you know, the perfect example is that, you know, our, our friends that do Batgirl and Gotham Academy and all that, um, you know, they messed up in Batgirl with uh, a transgender character. Um, well, and, that would be perceived as being transgender. Yes. Be yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's it's even mm-hmm. an issue I don't quite get myself. Like, even reading through it, I'm like, hmm, I still don't know what I think about it. Um, but totally understand one side and the other. Um, but, you know, they had people tweeting at them and discussing and saying how this is messed up. And the instead of getting defensive, instead of arguing back, the creators listened. And they learned. And they heard mm-hmm. the other side. And they discussed it. And because they did that... They have won over many, many more people um, to their side, and I'm sure people who will be following them now because of that, because they listen, because they engaged. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, it's funny when we had Brendan on uh, two episodes ago, two or three episodes ago, um, uh-huh. you know, we brought up that idea of, hey, you're doing Gotham Academy, you brought up Gravity Falls um, to him and said, you know, why aren't you engaging this community? The creators and the publisher and uh, the folks who figured that that part out and saying, hey, I've got this product, I have this community, this other community is probably going to be interested in this, I'm going to go talk to them. Um, they're the ones that are going to rule, and they're the ones that are going to build a positive community around things, because if you're finding people who enjoy it and discuss things and have fun with it, um, really a community, what a community is, uh, you know, it's going to stand out from the rest. It's going to stand out from the, the old school guard who, mm-hmm. you know, push their stuff out and bitch and gripe um, and, um, and hate all only, ladies and all that, yeah. Yes. I mean, and, I think one of the reasons why you see the breakout success of, like, Karen Gillan and Jamie McKelvey, aside from the fact that they are outrageously talented, is that they know how to interact with fans on Tumblr, and they know how to interact with the Tumblr culture, and they're a part of that. And neither of them are young women. They're both, you know, guys who are older than me, though, you know, of my generation. Um, and uh, they realize that, having a good relationship with your, like they come from the fandom and they engage with the fandom and they value those conversations and they talk about how they've learned and gained things from it. Like that can make you huge. You know, Gail Simone's really, really active Tumblr and Twitter have helped her immensely, you know, as a, a platform for her work, no matter what publisher she's working for. And, you know, she's someone who listens to people and, you know, I, I, I think that, um, uh, that you can already see like, you know, the artist's engagement has a direct impact on the fandom around them and what level of loyalty and support they receive. And their their openness to getting feedback, you know, is a really big thing. Um, there, there was, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, it's funny that this, this whole, you know, discussion, everything that we've kind of dealt with in the last week or so, um, you know, it's really, I mean, it's shape, going to be shaping this panel a lot, and, and I think a lot of what I discuss, um, which is funny because I wasn't quite sure what the hell I was going to discuss on the panel uh, and exactly say. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be, you're going to see more of these discussions, and you're going to see mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, more of this going on, but you're also going to see folks gathering together with folks that have similar interests and bonding together and becoming virtual friends in a positive way. And again, the folks that don't do that are going to go bye-bye. Um, you know, I, I, it, it's, it's funny. Like I, I, the, you know, for example, like how many of the publishers 
have email lists that you can get on really easily. Well, there's a lot of creators that have email lists that, that you can get on really quickly. You know, how many publishers actually engage in two-way conversations? Well, how many creators actually talk in two-way conversations? Very few. Uh, and, in fact, Image Comics remains completely silent about everything that has happened. Yeah, and, and I was going to – so the, the, the next thing to bring up is the fact is that, you know, folks were silent for – Oh, almost 48 hours, 60 hours, um, not just the publisher, but other sites. Um, creators were mostly yelling at us as opposed to actually supporting us. Um, the ones who did are forever honored and loved in my heart. Oh, my God. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So the optics of it looks horrible. Um, and some people have thrown out San Diego Comic-Con as an excuse. Others have thrown out Image Expo as an excuse. But still, if you look at some of the many other uh, things people have gotten pissed about and started, you know, uh, going out online about, you know, a lot of that is a flashpoint within 24 hours. Creators have engaged. Publisher has made the statement. Um, there's at least some engagement back and forth. There's probably God knows how many uh, blog posts on it. Um, and, and so this one was silent. Like, there really was. Like, folks, I've mm -hmm. looked at the data on this. Uh, on the first 36 hours, there was us. Emma, and then literally like six people discussing this, and the amount of tweets positive about the issue and people saying I'm looking forward to this vastly outweighed our conversation. Um, and it wasn't until other folks started using the words ban and censorship that the conversation began on that Thursday. Um, so even if you say that we were extreme in our ask, my response is, fuck you. It wasn't until people saw that ask that anyone was talking about it and took it serious. So yeah. because that ex that ask was extreme, even got us to this point. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's funny. I keep on coming, and I said it to you at one point, is that the scene in People versus Larry Flint where, where Larry Flint yells at the press saying, why do I have to go to jail to protect your rights? And that's kind of how I feel on this. Why do we have to look mm. at, like the bad guys to do what's right here? Like why aren't, why aren't more people speaking up sooner or, or talking with us, or engaging, uh, instead of just crapping on it um, as a whole. Like, that, to me, like, I have a list in my head, or, and, like, oh, my God, do I who, keep like, long covered, list? Or people who covered it and, like, did not, like, link to Emma. Like, who did not link to actual, like, transgender people speaking on this issue is just embarrassing. It should be embarrassing to them. Um, but as for us getting grief, I mean, that's the, that's the life of the vanguardist, right? It's the rest of the world is just, you know... But I think yep. that, um, yeah. But I do think that uh, when you look at the, the schedule and timetable of everything, it really shows how people can't afford to just be quiet for so long, um, and yep. that everything could have been managed so much better if people had been ready to, to listen when they were, you know, first contacted or called upon. Um, you had reached out to Image for a book quote like a bajillion years ago, and they still haven't responded. It's only because Robinson worked with Glad to do a response that there's been something that's just been said. And then Hinkle on Twitter, actually, was really great and tweeted saying that he wants to hear more from people and he realizes that they messed up and invites more conversation around it. Um, and he, like, favorited uh, some of the tweets that I did where I said that, um, you know, Robinson listened uh, to people's concerns and responded, but Robinson's defenders still haven't. I find that edifying um, that they, he favorited those. So uh, I think that, like, there's a couple of th – I think there's a couple of things. I mean, there's the fact that 
you know, these campaigns are not going to stop. Like, this is not going to be the first and last campaign of this nature. I hope we can go for a good long time before something like this is needed again. Because I do think, generally speaking, like, there isn't as much messed up stuff messed up at this level, which is coming out uh, by major publishers and, like, getting critical, you know, acclaim. Um, although, actually, just a quick aside, when you mentioned that um, – all these people had spoken out about other things and didn't speak out on this. I feel like the headline to that should read, marginalized people continue to be marginalized. Because <laughs> I do think it's telling that it was transgender people who were the ones who were being screwed over in this narrative. Um, and it wasn't like a higher profile group, you know, of people like, you know, like women. There's just a hell of a lot of us. So we can sit there and yeah. be a little bit harder to ignore. Just the sheer numbers being the majority of the population. Um well, I mean, so to so, put it in, so the people yeah. that say, like, oh, people are distracted by Image Expo and they were distracted by San Diego Comic-Con, there was another issue that came up specifically about a creator and how many tables he took at a convention. Really, this is not a big fucking deal. Adults could have solved this by just going up to each other and saying, hey, you took my table, or going to the convention, uh, convention people and saying, hey, I was supposed to have this table, like, what the hell's up? A normal adult would have said that. Instead, the conversation on Twitter was a, at least 50% more than our highest moment uh, talking about Airboy, plus most of those blogs that took 48 hours, 60 hours to even have their first post on Airboy uh, had up a post about Tablegate within 24 hours of when it went on. Um, the That's well, yeah, so this was even more fucked up on top of 50% more of a discussion on Twitter. Uh, the Outhousers, which I know some people like the site, some people don't, fairly, you know, fairly uh, lowbrow but actually progressive um, site, you know, toilet humor, but they're on the right side of things, um, that they uh, let it known that the posts that uh, about the Tablegate versus the initial um, Airboy post, uh, Tablegate got 20 times the volume, and then the follow-up apology from Robinson, Tablegate got 40 times the volume, which tells you the priority of folks when it comes to what they care about. I, you know, I I joked when this was first going on, uh, Marvel had just announced their all-new, all-different direction, and there was a photo, mm -hmm. uh, or part of it is Spider-Woman being pregnant, which we're definitely going to have to discuss at some point. Yeah. Um, and that everyone was complicated. Was, <laughs> and folks were posting that up, and I turned to my wife and I said, "What is this? The fucking Us Weekly of comic like comic news now? Like, oh, Spider Woman's pregnant. Who's the father? Uh, as opposed to actual you know, <laughs> calling people out on the bullshit and, and discussing uh, fan culture and directions and issues that we're facing. Um, like, I really felt like it was a bunch of tabloids around. So mm, rather yeah. than real journalism, yeah." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I and think rant. partially, I think that sometimes people, like, they don't, because their worlds are so narrow, they don't know anybody who can talk to them about this stuff. Like, because they don't know transgender people, when there's something like this that comes up, they don't even know who to talk to. Um, and that's bad. You should have an inclusive world of people to reach and talk from from the start. Like, that's something we should all be working towards um, so that you're not scrambling at the last minute to find someone from the impacted population to, you know, weigh in on it. Um, or here's, I don't want to not... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, even a crazier idea, it's called the internet. You do some searching yeah. and you find fellow comic geeks who actually, like, fit the bill and can, you can have a conversation with and learn more about real journalists yeah. do that all the time. There was a... Uh, I, I totally, I yeah, I totally met, like, a whole new, like, 
a number of, of, of awesome transgender women comic mm-hmm. geeks on Twitter now who I follow, who I did not know before. And, um, you know, I, they're, they're new to uh, my Twitter feed, and I'm really glad that I have found them because they're smart and interesting and will be great to continue to talk with and collaborate with, et cetera. So, and the yeah, internet, so, exactly. <laughs> well, so I was going to say, so the, the thing is, is like before, you know, I, I was doing this show and uh, talked to you or talked to Emma, I really knew shit about these issues or, I mean, like, I, I don't even know if I knew a, really knew a transgender person. Um, I maybe knew, like, one or two. But, you know, in the months that this has been going on, I think I've come a hell of a long way from just mm-hmm. learning and listening to someone. It's really not that difficult, people. Um, you know, you just have to be open and listen for once. I know it's a very difficult thing for a lot of folks to do, but it's really not. So, Yeah. I'm a little whipped up on this issue, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, of course, of course. Oh, so I want to make sure we get to some of the questions we got from Follow yes. Through the Dark. Yes, yes. Uh, yes, so um, which has been more effective in progressing in progressive change, editorial slash creator dictating change or consumer demand? Now, I feel like a lot of people overvalue consumer demand because they think that people are a lot more scientific in analyzing consumer reports in this industry than they actually are. There's so much consumer data that people could be using that they're not actually really looking at. Brett knows more about that than me. However, yeah. I do think moving forward, moving forward, I think that that will shift some and people will eventually become more responsive to consumer demand. But right now, if it was just like, oh, if you don't like Airboy, don't buy it, that wouldn't have done shit. Because it would have been out. It's already a limited series. It would all be gone down and out and over by the time anybody had even noticed. And people would assume that the reason it wasn't getting bought is because it was too edgy, as opposed to because it's transphobic. <laughs> um, so I would also yeah, yeah. So I would also add to that um, the other issue is that the comic industry works on a three-month lag, basically. So uh, uh, Airboy, I think, was only four or five issues. So all those issues have already been ordered at this point. Um, people have put in their pull lists. People have put in their orders. Um, so you know, by the time, point this has gone on, as far as this particular series, it's done with. Like people will adjust their orders down the line, but you know, people will adjust issue four based off of issue three, not really what's going on. They have no idea what the demand's going to be for issue three. So retailers in the end are going to wind up eating a lot of, of comics. Um, so, you know, comic industry is a little bit weirder and, and it's difficult to do protests about the product itself and boycotting something, um, because they don't see it for a while. And in the end, they just think sale, you know, they, they won't necessarily know why sales have tanked. They might just think, wow, the series sucked. No one wanted it. Um, where it might not click why nobody wanted it and weren't buying it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think you kind of have to do both. Like, you need to do a combo of, um, you know, if you're going to speak up on something, you need to also walk the walk. Like, if, if you're pissed off about Airboy, you should not pick up issue three. You should not pick up issue four. Um, you know, if you're fine with it now, then feel free to buy issue three and don't buy issue four if you like the, the apology. And don't that. say hi to me because you're a dick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like, and, but, and, 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 but not buying it is not enough. Like, you need to speak yeah. up about that. You know, I mean, at this point, like, I don't think that people should be going out of their way to be writing nasty things to the creators who have both spoken out in their responses. But if people feel like they continue any of the conversation with people who refuse to acknowledge that there's a problem, 
you know, that, you know, or if they want to bring it up to image, like, I mean, these are continuing ways for you to be heard. Um, in terms of stuff that came from, you know, writers themselves, I mean, there have always been artists who've been pushing, um, you know, stories that they weren't sure if they'd get away with, so to speak, um, that were progressive, that they were able to get through regardless, you know, and history is certainly full of many of those. Some things that were really radical and progressive in their time aren't really, don't, don't really read very well now. Like, it was awesome when Neil Gaiman had transgender characters in Sandman. Reading them now, some of them, it's not quite done right, but for its time, you were like, Somebody is acknowledging that transgender people exist, and they're not, and they're, and they're the good guy in this story. Like that itself was like revolutionary, and that was, you know, I don't think that there were people lobbying Neil Gaiman to include trans characters in Sandman. I think he, you know, did that because he thought it was important for the world and for his story. Yeah, and you know, so, you know, yeah. I would say the other thing a lot of there was some interesting discussion where people were like, um. You know, bringing up uh, people like you know, Lenny Bruce, the comedian, of, oh, if, if these people had their way, Lenny Bruce wouldn't be in their jokes. One, I'm going to say you actually don't understand Lenny Bruce's humor, where, yes, it was blue and it was pretty um, – I could see people taking it the wrong way. But it also was humor against the standards of those times and kind of pointing mm-hmm. out how shitty some of those standards were. Um, at least that's my take on a lot of his jokes. And same thing with Ronnie Dangerfield and, and um, Chris Rock and – Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and like yes, and it's a mixed bag, right? Like Chris Rock's stuff on race is amazing, but he definitely had jokes that were not okay with regards to women. Like none of us are perfect. I I have, you know, we all have all have problems. I mean, I guess that that dovetails us want to follow into Dark's other questions, which is like, you know, how do you how do you reconcile like when there's creators you love who have politics, you know, that you hate. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, very rare. I, I listen to a lot of music from the past, so. Like, kind of everything I listened to was problematic, probably. <laughs> but there's a difference between, um, you know, like a situation where the art is already out there and exists and you can support it with your money or not, or you can deal with art which is being coming out now where you're actually able to engage with the creator and do something about it at this point. I think it's significant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, and we're, we're, all, all of our, we're all going to have problematic faves, right? But yeah. there's also a scale. You know, it, it, there's... It's not necessarily, like, you can go from stuff that's fucked up to stuff that's dangerous. It's not necessarily, you know, all of one or not the other. And then you'll have creators who have fucked up politics, but whose art isn't really fucked up. And, you know, it's it's really a question of, do you want to give them your money anyway? How are they using it, you know? I don't have, like, a litmus test that I would apply to everybody. I don't claim to be able to be systemic or whatever in that way. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, we're always as a question that all consumers of popular culture are, are, are confronted with. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I would just say all consumers, period, are no matter even if it's pop culture or not. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can think of yeah, one yeah. creator in particular who I know is a re- conservative and Republican um, and does a series that I love. And, you know, the series isn't necessarily political, but you can read into it some of his views, and I think they're kind of fascinating. Um, but it's not preachy and it's not sexist necessarily, not horribly sexist, um, though right. the gender roles, um, you know, it's not homophobic or anything like that, but, you know, it might have those slight conservative bent to things. And, you well, know, I totally I, know what comic this is, but yeah, you go ahead and you get it. Like, <laughs> he's not, he's not using your money to like fund the, the, the Christian coalition. Like he's using right. your money to pay his mortgage 
it's different. Uh, yeah, like, I, you know, I think there's a difference in the footprint between people at different levels. Like, when you have people who are, like, personally funding, like, Donald Trump is, like, personally funding effed up shit against immigrants. Yeah. Um, that's not the same as, like, I'm sorry? Chick-fil-A would be a good example. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. Like, if they're actively funding this stuff with their money, then I think that puts them in a very different category than somebody who just has odious politics on a personal level. Yeah, so... Um, and, and the other thing is, is like, you know, you, you, everyone has to judge it differently. I always say that anyone that mm-hmm. screams First Amendment um, really needs to rethink, like, what they're consuming, uh, especially a lot of these pe- the people that kind of came at us. Because if you really believe in the First Amendment, you shouldn't be watching any television. You probably shouldn't be listening to any radio, maybe public radio, and that's about it. Um, you shouldn't be reading any newspapers. You definitely shouldn't be consuming anything from Disney. Um, these are all large corporations who actually have worked to limit your speech. So if you really believe in free speech and First Amendment rights, um, you shouldn't consume anything these folks put out. Um, now, I didn't go on my rant online about that. I'm saving that one if anyone ever comes back. But, you know, everyone's <laughs> witness is different. Like, I, there are some things that I won't purchase. There are some places I won't go. Um because of their activities and their beliefs. And there's some, like, you know, watching TV and consuming things from Disney that I do. And I know it's kind of bad, you know, and some people do actions to actually offset the bad. Um, A great example for the folks that wanted to go see Ender's Game. Um, A lot of people donated to uh, LGBT causes uh, the price or more of the ticket to go see the movie because they felt horrible supporting the movie. Ironically, I actually don't think he made anything off the movie other than, like, the front-end money that he got um, of uh, Orson, Scott, Orson Scott Card. Yeah. But, um, you know, people... Okay. That's, yeah, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, people made their decision. I mean, a lot of people I know... When it comes to pop culture, I want to say that's the latest one that I can really think of where people had a debate, a debate of whether or not I want to go see the movie because I hate this person's politics. Um, and what should I do about it? And I know at least a lot of people that I know were like, okay, I'm going to, you know, $15 for a movie ticket. I'm going to go give $20 to GLAD or whatever, you know, LGBT organization that I want to go to. Um, and everyone's choice is different. Like there is no correct answer in this other than don't support the evil assholes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, but we are telling people like don't buy Airboy, you know what I mean? Like you're saying that you shouldn't put your money to that particularly. For us, there was a question of, like, this being something which was particularly playing into specific myths that had been used to, like, endanger women's, transgender women's lives. Like, that was what was particularly, like, odious and dangerous about it. But also that we thought that the scale that we could have an impact would make a difference, you know. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, and maybe now... People might rethink that now that the creators have, or at least Robinson has apologized. Um, and and Hinkle, yeah. And Hinkle, yeah. 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 Um, so, like, everyone has their own opinion on that. Um, you know, beforehand, your opinion might have been one thing. Now, after the apology, opinion might be another thing. Um, some people liked the apology. Some people didn't. So we, you know, everyone's going to have their own thought on that. So, you know. Like what I think. What, what's that? I'm sorry, after what ology? After, uh, after the apology, after after the apology, oh, after um, the apology, yes, yeah, 
Um, so it comes down to like, uh, can you sleep at night? Do you feel good about yourself? I think those are the two <laughs> questions that you have to answer. And if you have no problem with transgender people being maligned, and you think that making a joke is more important than supporting people who are systemically oppressed and all like all over the freaking place right now, then you might want to consider that you are not a good person. Um, it's completely understandable <laughs> to like read the comic and not see the problem in it. I completely get how that can happen. Like that's why people need to be educated. But once people have told you there's a problem, you need to take them seriously if they're the people who are experiencing this and say, you know, yeah. I didn't see this myself. I didn't recognize this. I, I was ignorant, but I'm listening to you because I trust you and I believe you. And that's really, like, that's really key. Because I totally understand, like, we're all acculturated to not notice certain things. Like, I, you know, I, we, we, and we, it's, it's on us how we, change, how we choose to learn from them. I would I would love to see everyone who defended Airboy like now taking Hinkle and Robinson's words to heart and like reevaluating you know what was the, maybe the, what was their take on it. I, I mean yeah 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 I mean, um, I mean it's uh, it's uh, it'd be fascinating to see I, I think a lot based off of the, the comments afterwards um, and a lot of the stupidity I saw in comment threads on various sites, which I don't know why the hell I read those. Um, I think a lot of people but haven't. Some learned. of them were like worse than you thought they would be. Like, holy some shit! Of them, I mean, I mean, like some of them are just. I mean, we think we're eventually going to do a piece regarding this on our site. I think maybe, but like you know, I I, I feel like I could write a list of like the sites that don't that, that that I'm not angry with. It would be a shorter list than the sites that I'm angry with right now. Um, <laughs> Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it, um, uh, yeah, I mean, some of the, it, and it's interesting as some of the other sites that, uh, that, uh, claim they're progressive or good or whatever. And, and one particular site I'm thinking of that had to wipe away their entire forum has allowed some pretty horrific conversations to go on within those forums, um, about this particular topic. So, mm. um, it's, it's really been, I think, fascinating to watch where, people stand and where sites stand and, uh, you know, how people think. Like, you know, maybe a year ago I would have read this and maybe not thought anything in, about of it and be like, oh, this is just a really stupid joke. But, you know, I've learned over time. I understand what trans panic mm-hmm. is. And and you listen his, to people. So, like, even yes. even a year ago, if, like, Emma had said to you, dude, this is a problem, you would have said, oh, tell me about that. Like, I want to know because you yeah. care about people. And that's kind of at the heart of all of this, isn't it really? Like, what's more important to you, people or or a joke? That's that's really it. Yeah. Um, do we have any other questions in our time line that we want to respond to? No, um, there's a lot of people talking about Prince List. <laughs> well, people should be talking about Prince List. But I do want to add one thing. Like, yes, we do need to talk about comics that we like and want to support and, like, broadcast them. And I know Emma's working on a piece about, trans, you know, trans comics that folks should be buying, and that's really important. But when people say, oh, you should just support the things you like and not criticize the things you don't, they are really missing, like, again, how activism works, which is that if you don't tell people something's effed up, no one will ever notice. Um, and or it'll, or it'll that's just the truth of it. So it isn't enough to just buy Princeless. I mean, you guys should all go buy Princeless. You guys should all go buy Gem and the Holograms with the amazing transgender artist, and awesome ladies and feminists writing it, um, uh, you know, and, and support them. Like, you should do that. But it isn't enough. It isn't, you can't just say, leave it at that. 
you have to speak out when there are problems in the other in the other media because people won't freaking know unless you do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you shouldn't just read this. It's a it's a cop out. Um, the the material's still going to be there, and people aren't going to know. Um, you know, without us speaking out, James Robinson wouldn't have had a clue that he screwed up. Uh, yeah. And he might have done it again. And it, we weren't trying to be assholes towards him or trying to be mean or no. drum him out of business or whatever. Um, it was just a simple, you know, ours was simple. of Like, hey, you screwed up. You might want to look into this and think about what you did. Um, and he, he got it, I think. He seemed to get that message. Others definitely did not get that message. Uh, and go from there. And the you know, other thing I'd point out is, like, this is a perfect example of there was no need for the particular scene. That scene could have been written so many different ways. Different ways um, to achieve the same goal, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to show uh, a degraded society and how Airboy doesn't fit nowadays, there's many other methods one could have done and, and routes they could have gone. Um, mm-hmm. This was not vital to the story. It could have uh, It could have gone on different ways and nothing would have changed. So, you know, that's part of the other thing is is maybe he will think and say, no, I don't need to go this route in the future. I can do something else instead. Uh, and he'll know that there's transgender women he can talk to if he has questions. I know that yep. um, Marcy, oh, golly, Marcy Clark, is that her last name? She wrote the piece Cook? for Mary Sue. She was saying that she'd like, just, you know, consulting. Marcy Cook, thank you. Um, that she was consulting, you know, for comics about, like, when they, when they want to try to address trans issues, like, Go talk to her. Go talk to Emma. Like now, you know who these yep. people are. You can talk to and like do a better job next time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he wouldn't. He wouldn't have known that unless we spoke up. Nope. No way in hell. So, do you have anything else we want to have? We wanted to hit before the end of the show. No, I think that was pretty much everything. Um, I think we got. Yeah, it. folks, definitely stay. You know, keep an eye on this on the blog because I I, I have a piece coming up around this. Um sort of looking at the impact of activism. Um, I think a lot of the points I made here will be made there, but perhaps it will be easier for you to like and share that post to friends who might not listen to the podcast. (laughs) And um, we'll have our response to the media silence as well. And I'll have a review of an awesome transgender positive comic, uh, Arclight, coming up really soon, that uh, Brandon Graham, who was one of the creators of it, uh, was also one of the earliest creators to retweet Emma's blog post about Airboy, for which I mm-hmm. eternally respect him, because that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I'm doing a review of that. I'll be coming up real soon on the site as well. Yes. Very, very good comic. This comic, um, is, this comic is Arc Arclight. Issue 1 just came out. Yes. Came out last week, and ironically also from Image. Uh, so, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, anything else? I think that's everything nope. that we covered. Cool. Uh, so we're going to be off the air next week uh, as I will be flying back. Well, no. Are you going to be on? Oh, no, no, now? no. We have a special episode. Aha. Okay. I, I forgot about that. I just remembered I was about to say, as I was saying that. Uh, so, yes, we will be here next week. I won't be here next week, though. Um, Alana will no. be doing her own special episode. Uh, so that will be a lot of fun. I get to listen after and not just and not participate for once. Uh-huh. Yeah, for folks who are interested, we have we have Sarah Rasher, who's a new blogger at Graphic Policy, um, Experience on Shakespeare and Queer Theory and Awesomeness, um, and Stephen Adwell, who she's been on the show once before, and Stephen Adwell, who you probably will remember for his awesome television show reviews, who was a history professor, will be the three of us, so me, plus two professors. How geeky could it possibly get? <laughs> um, pretty, pretty geeky. 
it's going to be fun. Uh, and then, again, for anyone that is actually at San Diego Comic-Con, you can come to my panel, The Future of Fan Culture, uh, Sunday at 3.30 to 4.30, somewhere on the floor. I will be tweeting up directions and location and all that. Um, so it would be great to meet people. And just in general, I'd be at the convention. So if anyone wants to tweet at me, I'm happy to meet people. Um, it's just a fun time. So, yeah, uh, other than that, you can catch us every single day at graphicpolicy.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere at Graphic Policy. We keep it nice and consistent. So until next time, thanks for listening. Um, you can also catch us on uh, Stitcher and iTunes and SoundCloud if you want to re-listen to this episode at all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Brett. And I'm Ilana. Keep it geeky.